Welcome everyone to the Blind Entrepreneur Podcast, where we help entrepreneurs and business professionals execute their vision by guiding them to profitability. Let's go! You're listening to episode 173, and today we have Jordan Harbinger. Jordan Harbinger was once referred to as the Larry King of podcasting, is a Wall Street lawyer turned talk show host, social dynamics expert, and entrepreneur. After hosting a top 50 iTunes podcast for over a decade that, in, that enjoyed nearly 4 million downloads a month at its zenith, Jordan has embarked on a new adventure, The Jordan Harbinger Show, where he deconstructs the playbooks of the most successful people on earth and shares their strategies, perspectives, and insights with the rest of us. Jordan's business sense, extensive knowledge of the industry, and contemporary approach to teaching make him one of the best and most sought-after coaches in the world. Jordan, welcome to the show, man. Thanks for having me on, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, anytime. So before we get into the heavy-hitting questions about business, entrepreneurship, and all that stuff in between, we have to start the podcast off the same way we do every single time. And so imagine you just had the absolute best day of your life. Where are you going to eat and what are you going to order to make your day complete? You know, it's funny. I'm literally going to do this tonight because I'm flying to Las Vegas. I don't love Vegas or anything um, and I don't even gamble, but uh, I am going to Joe's Stone Crab, not Joe's Crab Shack. <laughs> Joe's Stone Crab, because everybody confuses those two things. And it's in Caesar's Palace, and I'm getting Alaskan King Crab Legs, and they're, like, this big. I don't even eat shellfish normally, but they, they cut them open for you with scissors, and you're just pulling out these, like, you know, these things have been doing squats. They're just <laughs> You're just ripping out these crazy huge pieces. And everything there from the bread is good. The maitre d' when you walk in, he looks like Mike from Breaking Bad, and he's really charismatic, and he's like, nice. there he is. How you doing? <laughs> you know? So from the second you walk in, you feel like a big shot. And then you get down, you, you get a good drink. The service is on point. They give you awesome bread. You order what you want. You eat it. You're stuffed, and you walk right out to the valet. You go back to your hotel, and you sleep for 12 hours. Nice. Full as hell. <laughs> That's awesome, man. So are you celebrating anything in particular, or are you just, like, living enjoying life? You know what? Um, actually, today I'm going to – I work with a charity called American Dream U, and what we do is we teach veterans how to transition a little bit better from military to civilian life. And a couple of us speakers – we go and we speak at bases and do some training and stuff. A couple of us, we got invited to go thanks to uh, this charity, American Dream U, which you can link up in the show notes if you want. Absolutely. We got invited to go to this desert warfare I wouldn't say it's a class. It's more like a screw around class uh, taught by some Delta Force and I think some other possibly Navy SEALs. And we're going to be setting explosives, shooting machine guns that you can't normally probably walk around with and, mm -hmm. you know, doing crazy stuff with vehicles. And like I said, setting setting explosives. My wife is is terrified <laughs> that I'm going to die doing this. But me and my business partner are going to be. Um, going out there and doing this and I'm pretty excited because you know I grew up watching freaking TV so being able to shoot an AK-47 and setting some C4 is pretty awesome followed yeah. by some Joe Stone Crab so that, that sounds pretty be awesome. awesome I mean and the, and the fact that it's all legal and in a confined space and a safe space at that probably yeah. makes it that much better 
Well, it's not going to be indoors. Explosives indoors usually a bad idea. Yeah. So it's going to be actually in the desert, which reminds me, I got to buy some SPF, you know, 200 or yeah, whatever seriously. sunscreen if I'm going to be in the Nevada desert for a day. Um, but other than this show, that's going to be the highlight of my my week. So you, you know, I'm going to be doing that later today. Very nice. You're a good guest at that. Giving compliments to the host, I appreciate that very much. So podcasting 101. Yeah. You always tell the host like, yeah, I love what you're doing here. Yeah. Buddy. yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, speaking of podcasting, I'd say uh, you know I talked to you off air about how it being an honor to have you on the show. Um, you're definitely probably one of the OG podcasters out there, uh, constantly providing amazing value and just setting the tone of, of what, what podcasting should be. So I, I just want to say thank you and congratulations to all of your success. But um, with that in mind, uh, I do have some questions about your life, if that's okay with you. Um, and, and I know right it now- It is okay. <laughs> well, that's good. Uh, I, I know you're going through a transition right now from you know, your previous life to your your new podcast, the Jordan Harbinger Show, and and I'm sure there's a lot of legal things that we can and cannot talk about, and I don't even want to get into that aspect. But my my first question is: Tell me about a time that you felt lost or blind in business, and how did you overcome those obstacles? Sure. So you're right. There is some legal stuff that's going on. I transitioned out of my old company recently, and I, I built that show. Uh, for 11 and a half years. And so you can imagine, and, and like you said, at its peak, which was right before I left, uh, thankfully, it was doing 4.1 million downloads a month, which is, is bananas. It was by far one of the largest, most downloaded shows anywhere in iTunes. And, you know, even if you compare it with like television shows, it was it was huge. And so that was a big deal for me, you know, to have to have a show like that. And it was a big deal to lose a show like that. And so one of the, the really confusing parts about it, and I say confusing, not like, I don't know what happened, but um, well, I guess that's partly true as well. But the confusing thing is when you do something like that for so long and people know you as, you know, far more people knew me as Jordan Harbinger, the host of this show, and now the host of the Jordan Harbinger show, than knew me like, Jordan, the guy who lives next door to me, or the guy that like plays, I don't know, craps uh, once at a blue boot at this, you know, or like, I it really you your identity. What I'm trying to say is gets wrapped around whatever activity it is that you do in your for your work. When and I don't know if this is true for because I've never had a quote unquote real job other than my Wall Street attorney job, which was totally different. But I would imagine that if you're an engineer at Ford you still have some sense of this is me and this is who I am and this is what I do. Even if you just say you're an automotive engineer, but for me, it was I host this show. That is what I do all day. Everyone who knows, millions of downloads a month, downloaders a month, recognize me as that person. Video viewers, everybody recognizes this. So when you stop doing that, you know, you yourself start to question, and this sounds melodramatic, but I don't mean it that way. It's You yourself start to question like, okay, Am I the same person that I was yesterday? Because I don't have this thing attached to my name anymore. It would be like, and I don't have experience with this, but it would be like if you were a doctor and you got, what do they call it? Like if, if you're a lawyer, you get disbarred, but basically you get your license revoked. Like you can't say that you're Dr. Grabowski anymore. Like what? Okay. So crap, who am I now? Right? I can't practice medicine. I can't. Uh, go to these different events that I was always going to. I have to close my office down. Like, who am I now? 
it's not just what am I going to do for money? It's not just where do I go for work? It's like a crisis of identity. And a lot of people are like, just realize that the relationships you have with your friends and family, like that defines who you are. And you go, okay, yeah, but like that, that feels good for five seconds. But honestly, now what the hell am I doing? Mm -hmm. You know, what am I going to do? And so I called a lot of people for advice. And if you if you're interested in sort of the beginning of the quote unquote recovery process, we can talk about that because it is pretty fresh. Yeah. Well, I mean, as long as you're comfortable talking about it, I, I think that's something that's really important to discuss, because even when you're not going through a transition, we all go through this identity crisis. Um, who are you really? What do you really stand for? And I think it takes a lot of really tough conversations between you and the man in the mirror in order to figure out what it is that you stand for and how you're going to uh, transition into this new version of yourself. So, you know, by all means, please dive in as, as deep and as real as you can. Sure. So <clears throat> the, w the first thing that I did was I realized that I had a choice and it was like, reach it's it was like try to keep it a secret for ego purposes which you know i thought about for like one second and i was like this is a terrible idea and the reason the reason i didn't do that was because if you are if you try to keep something a secret for for purposes of of maintaining ego right like if your business failed or if you got fired or if like an idea you had didn't work or if like somebody got promoted over you whatever it is it doesn't feel good in the moment or if you're going through a legal like people getting divorced is a really common example some people never really talk about it and that's a problem because if you're in a position like mine where you have all these people around you that know you are fans of your work or just friends and family that love you keeping things a secret from one group one it just doesn't work over time it's like oh jonathan got divorced why didn't he say anything and then you're kind of putting that wedge that secret that secret wedge between you and all these other relationships and it's problematic and then um, the other thing is you recover so much faster with other people around you. And I know that sounds sort of woo-woo or emotional, but I'll, I'll give you a very concrete example. I have a choice, or I had a choice in the beginning when I started the Jordan Harbinger show, which is now not even five months old, and last month and the last 30 days got 2.8 million downloads. Um, the The choice that I had was, okay, not tell anyone, and then people sort of like slowly figure it out or whatever. And I have like a five year recovery period where I build myself back up to the size of the show that I was on before and the business that I was in before or tell freaking everybody mm -hmm. and have the word spread so fast around the community that people start looking for me and offering help and subscribing to the Jordan Harbinger show and figuring out what I'm doing next and lending a hand where necessary. And that was much better. But in the beginning, there was that question like, oh man, you know, it's gonna be kind of embarrassing or it's gonna be kind of like an, a blow to your ego. And what I found was that it really wasn't. It actually felt really good to reach out to people that I've been friends with for years and be like, hey, I'm actually going through some weird-ish right now. And people are like, whoa, how can I help? Because I spent the last 10, 11 years digging the well before I was thirsty, creating relationships, maintaining them, helping other people without the expectation or attachment to anything in return. And even if I didn't do that, I feel like I would still have a good circle around me of people that cared enough to help. And that became really a kind of like a, a almost like a lifeline, if you will, where 
I one I wouldn't have figured out how many people were going to be there for me, which is great. Because usually when people go through this, you hear athletes and musicians say things like, oh, man, you're going to find out who your friends are. And what they don't mean is you're going to be so pleasantly surprised that I'll have friends. You know, they're mm -hmm. like, no, what you're. What they mean when you watch it on ESPN 30 for 30 or whatever is like the guy goes to the NBA and then leaves the NBA because of like an injury and then has no friends and no one cares about him. And he loses his house and he loses his car and no one's coming over anymore. No one invites him to their parties anymore, like that kind of thing, right? But what I found was the opposite, um, probably because I spent more time cultivating real relationships, which is that I called a ton of people and even sort of like frenemies who are probably secretly like, yes, one less competitor on the board, were like, okay, but I don't want to like knock Jordan out of the game. So here, I'm going to help you with it. Why don't you come speak at my event? That kind of thing. And it, it's like that is a – not only is it heartwarming, but it really shows you that if you build the right type of network and relationships, you can't get knocked out of the game. Like you mm -hmm. could get fired. You can get trampled. You can get sued or you can sue somebody else and you can be on the edge of – you know, trouble with, you know, your business or your finances. But if you have a good network, you have a relationships, you're never going to have to rebuild alone. If you don't take the well before you're thirsty, you don't have those relationships, you're out in your butt on the outside of your company or something like that, or starting over. You have to rely on your talent if you have any, which I sure don't. Um, and you have to rely on your work ethic, which I have a good work ethic, but like, how much can one man do, even if you're working with like your wife or whatever, you're two people, what are you going to do? You're going to spend half a decade rebuilding what you spent the last decade rebuilding because you have experience and stuff. But if you reach out to your network, you have an army of people that are like, wait a minute. I've got friends right now that are like, hey, man, look, I do SEO for major corporations, but my employees have like one or two downtime hours a week. I'm just going to assign them the Jordan Harbinger show project. Hmm. Give us login access to your Google Analytics. We're gonna go in and do some administrative changes to get you SEO'd. And this is like, this would probably cost me like 10 grand a month. Easily, yeah. Five grand, five grand a month from this company. And my friend, um, and I, I don't even know if I wanna say his name because I wanna thank him, but I also don't want people to ask him for free stuff, so I'm gonna <laughs> hold off on that. But he he's giving me the service. And then other people are like, why don't you come on my show again, man? You know, normally I don't have a repeat guest, but this is an exception. Why don't you come on? And I'm like, cool, exposure to 150,000 people. And I, you know, you do that 10 times, you get 2.8 million downloads a month. It's not because, oh, my, it, it, look, I'd love to be like, my show's so good. I got 2.8 million downloads last month. It's like my show is sticky. The fans like it. But I was also able to reach 60% of them within a couple of weeks because I went, hey, James Altucher, can I come back on? Hey, Brett from Art of Manliness, can I come back on the show? Hey, you know, Tim Ferriss, can you shoot this out to your peeps? I got a problem. You know, and they were like, yeah, sure. No problem. Done, 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 done. And so that made it a lot easier to reach out and connect and, and, and get that handled in a way that you would never normally be able to do. If I didn't have those connections and I never talked to those people and they just heard from me cold after three years, do you think they would have done that? There's no freaking way they would have done that. They're, they're betting on you at that point. Mm -hmm. They're investing in you. You know, like James Altucher could have said, well, good. One less show that people are going to listen to. They're going to listen to more of mine. But he went, no, I, this, the industry is better for having Jordan in it. And he's a friend of mine. Let's get him in ASAP. And that's what happened. So the, the first thing that comes to my mind when hearing that, that incredibly real raw story, and thank you for sharing that, was your ability to cultivate the relationships. And so my first 
because I'm a podcaster and I, I and I think that podcasting is so important. It, it brings a real raw connection um, to the people that are talking to one another. Do you think podcasting um, and the art of interviewing people allowed you to cultivate that relationship? Um, maybe. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, first of all, the the having the platform helped cultivate relationships for sure. But you don't have to have a platform to cultivate relationships. There's plenty of people that I'm friends with that don't have a platform. There's plenty of people that James Altucher, and I'm just going to keep using him as, as an example because I was just on his show and he's a friend of mine. But there's plenty of people he's friends with that don't have like a big blog or something. Right. So, yeah, you, you know, you, having a platform helps you get in touch with some people initially. But it doesn't mean that you have to have that. I don't want people who are listening to this to be like, OK, step one, develop huge platforms. Yeah. Step two, start networking. It's the other way around, actually. It's the other way around. So if you look at a guy like Jocko, do you know Jocko Willink? He's got the Jocko podcast. He's a Navy SEAL. He was like a highly decorated commander, best-selling author. Okay, so uh, he's got a good show. He's got a really good business. But one of the one of the reasons that that business got launched the way that it did, which is into the stratosphere, quote unquote, overnight. Of course, he already had the book and he already spent you know ten years or whatever in the in the SEAL team. So so put the little asterisk by that. But one of the reasons it got launched so hard was he went on, I think, Tim Ferriss' show, and then that just people were like, this guy is amazing. And then Rogan, Joe Rogan had him on, and then hundreds of thousands of people were like, this guy's awesome. So then Jocko started a podcast, which a ton of people found, and read it. this book got picked up and went through the stratosphere. Hmm. And then he went back on, I think, Tim Ferriss and back on Rogan, and then put people that put a couple hundred thousand people onto his show. So that was a shortcut in a way that probably wouldn't have happened had he not been able to get on those shows. But, you know, he had already created that relationship by putting good work in there. But you have to do the networking stuff in the beginning. You can't make up for lost time. You have to dig the well before you're thirsty. And the reason that you the reason that I'm so adamant about this is because most people, especially business owners, we procrastinate. We're like, first I got on my website. I don't even have a website. I don't even have a product prototype. I don't even have my email list going. I, I, you know, all this stuff. It doesn't matter. You got to learn this stuff first because it's foundational. It's not an add-on. It's not a bonus skill set. It's not a to-do list item. You're not immune to the consequences if you don't network. Like you're not. Nobody's waiting for you to get out in the game. They're they're doing this. They're playing without you. You're being mm -hmm. willfully ignorant of the secret game being played around you if you're telling yourself that you've got to figure out how to do this, but only after you get your SEO going or your freaking social media. That is all secondary. You have to put the spare tire in the trunk before you get a flat tire. Mm. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I love the analogies. To somebody who is starting out, going back to the analogy of being blind or lost in business, how are, what are some recommendations that you have in order to cultivate that relationship that so it doesn't necessarily sound or feel like a to-do list, a checklist item? Something that's just real raw. Right, right. So it that involves breaking it down into small chunks. And so what I would do, and, and habits. So instead of being like, oh, today I have to network, or like, oh, I've got to go to this networking event, because those suck anyway. They're full of people <laughs> who are like, next time you need a financial manager, yeah. give me a call. And they hand you like their shitty, like, I don't know if I'm allowed to say that. They hand you their crappy Vistaprint business card <laughs> that like melts in your hand and curls up because it's so thin. And so, like, one thing I recommend people do right now is um, 
I have a bunch of drills and exercises, and I'm, I have a bunch of them on my website as well uh, at Advanced Human Dynamics. There's a level one is the course. It's free. It's just a bunch of drills, but I'll give a bunch on the show here today too. Um, it, so this I call layoff lifelines. Imagine you get laid off from your job today or your business implodes or, you know, it's illegal to do whatever you do in your state now or in the country. I don't know, whatever. So make a list of the 10 or so people you'd contact to solicit their advice on what to do next. Not like your parents where you're like, I need money. Hmm. I mean, like you're <laughs> getting advice like, oh, yeah, this college professor I had five years ago, 10 years ago, I would call him. He's really smart. Oh, I'd call my brother's friend who runs this big company. He's a good businessman. Make that list because these are your weaker or dormant ties and create that list and then reach out to those people now when you don't have an agenda, you don't need anything. Because a lot of people are like, oh, you know, it's so awkward to reach out to people. I hate doing it. It's awkward when you're like, hey, Jonathan, um, haven't talked to you in like five years. Anyway, I got this book uh, about dog grooming. Can you sell it to your email list? And that's awkward because you know you're just asking them for mm -hmm. something when they have no reason to help you because you're not friends you're just pretending that you're like, oh, I want to catch up with you. It's like, no, you don't. Mm -hmm. You don't. You only you wish that you had caught up with me before because this would be less awkward, but you don't actually care. And so everyone knows that. And it's like this unspoken agenda riddled ask. And so that's awkward. So this makes it less awkward because if you're reaching out to those people now and then you maintain those connections, it's a lot easier in two years when you're like, oh, crap, I think I'm going to get laid off. Well, I'll just call these people that I've been speaking with every four to six months. They're smart. They'll take my call. And then when they take your call, you go, hey, look, I, I wish I had better news, but I think I, I'm going to get laid off or got laid off. They're like, oh, OK, let me see what I can do. You're a, you've been a nice person for the last couple of years that, you know, and I know you and I know you're competent and blah, blah, blah. Hmm. That's a lot. That takes you a lot further um, than the cold call. And it takes you a lot further than can I put my resume in the pile with everyone else? So. You have to make that list now. Reach out while there's no agenda. And this also gets momentum going. It ends the cycle of procrastination because a lot of business owners are like, all right, <clears throat> I've got to get my Twitter up. I got to get my Instagram yep. up. I got to get my Pinterest going. I've got to get my website going. I got to install the active campaign funnel squeeze email thing. <laughs> Why am I going to? And like, I have the knowledge on how to do that. There are videos on how that works. Why am I going to then? do this networking thing, which is kind of a black box for me, which doesn't have immediate ROI, I'll do it later. That's a problem. That's a problematic mindset, because if you're going to do it after you have nothing else to do, you're never going to do it, which means that when you need that network, you're going to be like, oh, crap, I am SOL because you cannot make up for lost time. You can always hire someone or figure out how to do the email squeeze, social media stuff. You can do that in an afternoon or a day. You, what you can't do is rewind the clock and go back and make nice with professors and hiring managers and your former colleagues and you know executives. You, you, it's, it's impossible. By the time you need it, it is too late. Mm -hmm. and, and what I find interesting, um, this is all somewhat on a micro level. And you've been able to take the relationships from micro and now you're turning it into macro by your new your new show so we're talking about cultivating relationships on a, on a micro what are some ways that we can cultivate relationships from a podcasting perspective or a platform perspective 
Sure. So one thing that I do is I'm always using systematic and opportunistic network maintenance. And again, this is I explain this in more detail in the level one thing at Advanced Human Dynamics, but <clears throat> I'm always trying to well let me back up. I'm always trying to instead of ABC always be closing, I'm trying to do like ABG always be giving. And what that means essentially is helping other people without the attachment of anything in return, which means that, you know, I'm reaching out to somebody or they're reaching out to me. I'm happy to provide help. I'm happy to introduce someone to someone else. Logistically, it's easier because if I'm trying to close business, if I'm ABC always be closing and I'm a graphic designer, for example, then I'm probably not going to be like, well, well, let's say I go to a mixer, which I don't advise, but mm -hmm. let's, let's say I go to some networking event or some mixer. I'm like, hey, what's going on? What do you do? And you're like, oh, I'm a podcaster and I have a website. I'm like, cool, do you need graphics? You're like, no. I'm like, uh, okay, who else is here? Mm -hmm. uh, who else is here? Shoot, this guy doesn't need graphics. I'm bored already. I'm going to pretend, okay, I'll talk for like 30 more seconds and then like stop wasting time with this guy. Right, because I'm just trying to match what I provide with their needs. And that's you're only going to find one in 100 people that do that. So you're going to spend a lot of time. You're going to waste a lot of time. You're going to sort of treat people as a commodity. And then you're going to have to move on. But if I'm ABG, if I'm always giving, if I'm always generous, then logistically this is easier because I'm not trying to match a need you have with a service I provide. I'm just trying to figure out who else in my network would be a good connection. So if you're like, no, I don't need graphics, but you know, I'm trying to get my email marketing funnels going. I'm like, oh, I know a guy who does email marketing funnels, and he's really reasonably priced. He's, he's definitely an entry-level <clears throat> kind of email marketer, funnel marketer, do you want an introduction? You're like, yeah, I would love to partner with somebody like that. So then I make that introduction. I've given value to you. I've given value to this other person in my network. And then I can kind of check, check out, step back, not the conversation, but I've already provided value to you. And then I don't have to figure out how I'm going to help you at that point. I've already done it. Mm -hmm. And so once I've made that introduction, my funnel marketer friend is like, thanks, Jordan. You're like, thanks, Jordan. And I've actually created social capital there, right? So that makes it so that your network, your connections, that's your value proposition, not your particular business or technical skill set. So you're not making graphics for people. You're connecting them to other people in your circle, which means that you can help 100 out of 100 people that you meet or 99 out of 100 people that you meet instead of one out of 100 people that you meet. And that, so that makes relationships easier. It makes it scalable because you're not creating free graphics for everybody because that's what you do. And it makes it just a million times more likely to succeed. And then you're building all this goodwill to every for everybody that you come in contact with so that later on when you're like, crap, you know, I really don't have any graphics clients. Then you can reach out to all these connections and go, hey, look, I'm just I'm sort of I need some graphics clients and all these people who you got them clients or match them with a service provider like, all right, let me ask around or, oh, you know what? I do know a guy or you're already top of mind and they're already sending you clients because they're trying to figure out how to sort of reciprocate for yeah. the fact that you help them find this other service provider. So it's win-win all around and eventually you end up having people help you back. Cause I know a lot of people are like, well, when do I get what I need? The answer is it's probably gonna happen largely automatically. Mm -hmm. do, you, do you think, this is more a personal question um, and a selfish question at that. I think the idea of constantly giving was something that wasn't necessarily the first nature for me. Uh, I had to kind of train and teach myself to to be giving. 
were you always this giving person no. or was it? Yeah. So, so no, like, no. how no, did it, you train your trained. mind to, yeah, if you could dive into like, how do you train your mind to become this, this person that, that cares, that, that is genuine, et cetera. So the first thing was, and, and is just taking a little bit of this on faith and going through, and I hate to keep plugging this thing, but I, I did arrange these exercises and drills in a specific way at advanced human dynamics in the level one course, which again, it's like free. It's just a bunch of videos that teach you networking and relationship skills. Um, but the way that this is done, take a little bit of this on faith and go, okay, fine. You know, I realize that most of the people I talk to, I'm not going to be able to get anything from directly. And it's a little bit awkward maybe for me to ask directly. So just focus on getting other people in your network help and introductions. It's actually easier anyway. Do that for a few months. Do the other drills at the level one course for a few months. And then what you will find is that this actually works better than just going out and trying to figure out what's in it for you. So what this means essentially is I might go, well, I don't want to just introduce other people all the time. Like I have to take care of myself. I have to take care of my own business. WTF, this guy Jordan and, and this guy Jonathan, they already have businesses, like whatever. I, I can't really, I'm not in the same position as them. This doesn't apply to me. The reason this does apply to you is because if you, if you do this for a long enough time, and I mean this like in just a short few weeks or months, you're going to have all this social capital and goodwill built up on the back end. You're not going to have to worry about when am I going to get what I need from this. It will start happening automatically, mm -hmm. especially once you also start saying, yeah, I'm happy to have put you in touch with that email marketing funnel guy. Look, I, I, if you have any graphic design clients or any need for graphics, please think of me first. You're like, of course. OK, cool. You know, and then you, that person or you are maintaining those relationships. And then over time, you're just the graphics guy that everyone sort of goes to. Yep. And it becomes really, really easy to continually create uh, relationships that feed back to you. So you won't have to be like, oh, it's such a slog. I always have to remind myself that giving is, is a good way to live. Eventually, you just go, oh, this is flat out more profitable, period. Yeah. It just works better. So in the beginning, you have to just kind of do it and go, all right, I'll test this see if this Jordan guy really is as smart as he thinks he is. And then after a while you go, oh, okay, this is easier than the way I did it before, period. So you could be like a psychopath robot who's just in it for themselves and secretly, you know, doesn't care about anyone else. That's fine. But long term, it's still more effective to actually help other people than to just go for what's in it for you. So selfish people that are short-sighted and are only after what they can get from other people they're actually, if they were really smart, but still equally as selfish, they would help other people first because it's more effective. It's yeah. just that most highly selfish people are not actually that intelligent. That's yeah. why con men are so dangerous because they don't come up and go, hey, let me borrow some money. A successful con man is like, I'm going to do all this amazing stuff for other people. And then everyone's like, I love Bernie Madoff. He's the greatest. You know, yeah. that's why those people are effective. And, and that is uh, ex extremely well said, and thank you, thank you for that. Um, Jordan, I, I know that we're, we're approaching time, but I do have a couple of other questions, and, and sure. I'm trying to shake, I want to shake the conversation up a little bit because I did some research ahead of time, and I have some questions by diving deep into your Instagram channel. And so yeah. I just have a couple of uh, questions about some of the pictures that you've taken, if that's okay with you. Sure. Um, yeah, yeah, sure. So this one in particular, 
is uh, just a, a picture of you um, being on one of one of your uh, yeah your podcast. Bill you yeah and and so like you know not that, not to give a plug or shout out to to any particular individual but you've been podcasting for so many years and again I I, I you call in your bio you have the Larry King and 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 then this is uh, I, I consider you an OG to the podcasting world. <laughs> What is it about podcasting that just gets you so excited that you're even able to live a life and a career, make a career out of it? You know, I love it. You know, I've been doing podcasting for over 11 and a half years. I love doing it. I feel like it's amazing. The conversations you have with people, the opportunities you get to interact with these amazing folks. I love doing it. I, I think it's the greatest, funnest thing around. And it's always it's always good for me to, to be able to have a great conversation. I like the fact that it's audio. People can consume it on the go. It's just a great medium, but it's a crappy way to make money. So I, I don't think people should go for it to, to do the, to do, to, to make a living. It's really hard. Um, it's like radio only less people hear it. It's hard as hell to listen to podcasts. Generally speaking, you got to have an iPhone mostly. Sure, there are Android podcast apps, but only like 10 or 3 or something percent of Android users are using them. Even like 30% of iPhone users are using them. You know, if you're on YouTube, you can send someone's grandma a link and they can just click it. They know that generally and it'll play. If you want someone to subscribe to your podcast, it's like, oh, okay, first download this app, then search for the name of the show. Wait, no, it's this other one. Wait, no, 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 scroll down. Okay, it's that one. <laughs> click subscribe. Then once it subscribes, wait for it to download some stuff, then go into the app and then click the episode you're interested in and then push play. It's like, what? Come on, man. You know, and then it's like, oh yeah, it's an hour. What? Come on. Yeah. You know, it's not a two minute. So it's easier to build audience elsewhere. It's easier to do just about any other platform. And then if you're blogging, you can outsource the writing to other people and you can just manage it or you can let somebody acquire the business and then it just goes on without you. You can't do that with podcasting, right? Yeah. So it has all the downsides of YouTube where you have to be there. You're the personality. You can't take time off. It has to be your face and your voice. But it doesn't have any of the benefits of YouTube. But here's what it does have. Podcast listeners are more educated. They're more affluent. They listen to you. If they listen to you and they're listening to you for an hour, like on the Jordan Harbinger show, they know you. If you watch a YouTuber, you don't feel that same connection with that person unless you've been watching them for years. And most of the YouTube audience is like under 18 mm. or under 20. So it's in there. They have a very casual relationship with you. You're like the you, you're like the guy in that car commercial that's on all the time. Mm -hmm. Right. But if you are a, if you're a podcaster, your audience is really into generally really into what you're, you're producing. Like they consider you a celebrity in their eyes. A lot of the time they're really interested. They listen. They trust you. You build this relationship with the listener that you just can't get anywhere else. Yeah. So that's one of the reasons that I really love it. Yeah. The, the next question I have is uh, you and a picture of this uh, fine, intelligent gentleman. Uh, you mentioned it, and it's still one of your favorite episodes. Yeah. Is there anybody that you've interviewed? And I don't even know the number at this point in time. Um, but out of all the people that you've interviewed, are there some people that come to mind that where you're like, holy crap, I wasn't expecting the knowledge, uh, the amount of knowledge that this particular individual has? Yeah, I mean, I've, I'm always sort of pleasantly, I should say most often just pleasantly surprised by, like, you know, I love Cal Fussman, who was on the show recently, Shane Snow, Ryan Holiday, 
Um, I interviewed Fab Morvan, who was half of Millie Vanilli from back in the 90s. You probably don't remember those guys, but, you know, or the 80s even. And, and he just had a great story. You know, Ryan Holiday, a good friend of mine, also really uh, something new that he never talked about in this episode that we recently did. And and a, about a month ago, a little less than a month ago, I interviewed Coach George Raveling, who is one of the most beloved figures in sports. And he's 80 years old, and he's still learning about AI, learning about robotics, learning about blockchain. I mean, he's just like this really inspiring guy. And he he understands so much. He's got so much wisdom. And he's still super active, even at 80 years old. It's just incredible. So I really enjoy a lot of the conversations that I have with a lot of the guests that I have. And I, I think it's very unique. If you're producing a two-minute YouTube video, you just don't have that kind of conversation that you would have with somebody for that length of time. So that's that's one another reason why I pick podcasting over anything else. I, I don't mean to put you on a spot on this one, but I thought number one, this is a dope pick, so I gotta at least uh, show it out. It's a, just a pic to people listening. It's a picture of you uh, with a David Bowie quote. I don't know where I'm going from here, but I promise it won't be boring. And then your comment was something along the lines like, "This couldn't be more true. This is this has been my life." Has there uh, ever been like another quote, um, or if not? What what does this quote in particular mean to you? Um, that quote, that David Bowie quote, that was really meaningful to me at the time because when I was walking around in Denver with my business partner, my new business partner at that time, um, I found that it was very apt. The quote is, what is the quote? You have it in front of you, yeah, right? Sure. It's like I don't. Yeah. It's um. One second. It's, I don't know where I'm going from here, but I promise it won't be boring. Yeah, exactly. So it meant a lot because we had, me and my business partner, Rob Fulton, we had just figured out, okay, we're going to do this. This is our live event. This is our product that we're launching. You know, it was really kind of a funny thing to walk by at that time. Oh, okay. Here we are. Here, here we are right now, you know, planning this new business that's going to be something we're doing probably for the next 10, 20 years. And suddenly we walk by this quote where we're like, OK, whatever shakes out, we, whatever shakes out, we know we're going to have a, quite the adventure over the next few years. And so I sat down in front of it and took that photo. And um, that I very rarely get inspired or anything by quotes. It's just not really. Yeah. It's kind of really not something I, I'm. I'm doing a whole lot of, but I thought that that was, I thought that was spot on. I really enjoyed that. Nice. My, my final question, Jordan, is um, the Blind Entrepreneur, this podcast was created for people who are temporarily lost or blind in business and they cannot see the obvious. Um, and I think you did an amazing job just helping those people who may be lost. But to the people who are still stuck, what are three pieces of advice that you would give to a fellow entrepreneur? If you're stuck, reach out to your network and ask people for help or advice because a lot of people will have ideas or wisdom for you that might not be what you think. You might think, oh, I just I don't know how to get more email subscribers. And they might be thinking, that's not what you need to be doing right now. You know, that's actually, you're doing the wrong thing. Um, and if you don't have that network, or honestly, even if you think you do already, start digging the well before you're thirsty. And if you're already thirsty, dig that well anyway, because there's no better time. The best time to plant a tree was 100 years ago, and the second best time was right now. So go ahead and start doing that. Go to the go get those level one drills, advancedhumandynamics.com, and then click on level one or go to slash level one. 
and start doing these drills because the layoff lifelines exercise that I gave earlier, um, another thing that I do every day is a habit is I, around nine or 10 AM, I go in my texting app, I scroll all the way to the bottom and I start texting some of the people that I haven't talked to in like years. Cause some of those people at the bottom are people that you met once and you haven't spoken to. So I'll text five people a day or so. And I'll be like, Hey, just checking in. It's been a long time. And you sign your name so they don't, you know, like you don't get new phone who dis and you start reactivating those weaker or dormant ties. And that's super powerful. I mean, it is just like, it is super, super powerful to get that networking going and starting to build these habits because you start to get ideas, you start to get inspiration, you start to get help, you start to get a, a helping hand from your network. So that's really the top thing that I would do is build these habits and start doing it as a matter of priority, not I'll do it when I have time because you won't ever do it. Yeah, that's awesome. Well said. And, and thank you again. So Jordan, th- the, the time has come. Uh, you officially completed the podcast. Uh, the next 30 seconds is all yours. Just to go ahead and tell us about what it is that you have going on, promote what you have going on, how we can learn more about you, be a part of your journey, and potentially become uh, a future subscriber. Sure. So I have the Jordan Harbinger Show, which if you're listening to podcasts, I would love it if you would check out the Jordan Harbinger Show. We study the thoughts, actions, habits of brilliant people, ask some questions, and get that wisdom so that the audience can apply that for themselves so that you can apply what the guest teaches. It's not a show that's an interview just about the guest. It's what the guest can teach to the listener. Every episode has worksheets so that you can apply the things that you learn. It's not just like, that was so inspiring. It's like, here's a worksheet of stuff you can do to apply what you learned. That's the Jordan Harbinger show. And also advanced human dynamics is where we have our live training as well as our level one course which is free. It's all about networking. It's got those drills. It's got practices. It's got the the texting exercise, the layoff lifelines, the systems that I use to create and maintain relationships. And it will change the way that you do business and probably change your life in other ways as well, because our relationships always spill over into other areas of our life. So that is something that I wish, that's what I wish I had known, you know, 20 years ago instead of just 10. That's awesome. Uh, Jordan, thank you so much for your time, man. And, and to the people who are still watching and listening, thank you guys for always liking, commenting, and subscribing. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on YouTube and head over to tvshow.com for more interviews. Go out there and execute your vision, everybody. Have a good rest of your day.